Welcome to Museum Archipelago. I'm Ian Elsner. Museum Archipelago guides you through the rocky landscape of museums. Each episode is never longer than 15 minutes. So let's get started. There's a statue of George Washington in Manhattan's Union Square. It's the oldest statue in New York City's Park Service. It was erected before the Civil War. It was cast to present Washington on one particular day, November 25th, 1783, otherwise known in New York as Evacuation Day. On that day, which was just after the end of the American Revolutionary War, the defeated British army departed New York City. Because Manhattan was their stronghold and most of the Black people who had joined the British side with the promise of freedom were evacuated from in defiance of George Washington's terms for their surrender, for the British surrender and all that. But this particular statue of George Washington is commemorating a hugely important date for this city. It's commemorating and marking and celebrating the idea of freedom being brought to the country. And hence, as a, as a moment to look at and draw attention to the hypocrisy of all of that, right? That at the same time that he's being celebrated for freeing the country, he's actively enslaving a number of other people, most of them in Virginia, some with him there, and actually a couple of them getting onto boats and going up to Nova Scotia with the British because they had escaped and, and, joined, and joined that emigration. So again, that's why the specificity of this statue mattered. The number of Black people enslaved by Washington on the day commemorated by the statue is 271. And these people are at the heart of Dr. Lyra Montero's project, Washington's Next. The idea of, like, how do we make visible, for instance, the enslaved people who are invisible at all of these sites of memory that were about white supremacy when they were created, and now they still are, but we don't talk about that, right? Like, how do we make that visible? You know, that's something that I've been, I've been playing around with for a long time. Hi, my name is Lyra Montero, and I am an assistant professor of history at Rutgers University, Newark, where I also teach in the graduate program in American Studies and the African American and African Studies Department. And I also am the co-founder of the Museum On Site and the creator of our most recent project, Washington's Next. The name Washington's Next comes from one of President Trump's tweets following the violent white supremacist rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, on August 12, 2017. Trump took the opportunity to argue against movements to remove statues of Confederate generals like Robert E. Lee, which live in prominent public places in U.S. cities. One of these tweets reads, You can't change history. Robert E. Lee... Stonewall Jackson. Who's next? Washington? Jefferson? So foolish. I'm I'm a little bit sorry to ask this, but could you lay out Trump's argument such as it is? Or could you explain what he's trying to say? I can I can I can explain the argument that he is referencing. How about that? (laughs) Whether or not he actually understands it, I don't know. (laughs) But Donald Trump took an argument that has existed you know, probably just about as long as we've had, you know, controversies over these statues honoring Confederate leaders. That is the slippery slope argument. And the people who make this argument tend not to be the ones who are like, overtly gung ho and like, you know, it's our it's our Southern heritage to honor Robert E. Lee. It's not those folks, right? It's more the people who are historians, sometimes art historians, sometimes like museum folks. Uh, The argument that they make is that, well, yes, it's not good 
that there is a statue to Robert E. Lee. But the thing is, if we take him down, and obviously using him to stand in for all the Confederate statues, if we take him down, well, then where are we going to stop? Because if the reason why he's not appropriate for us to honor in public space is because of slavery, well, there are other slave owners that we honor in public space. And of course, the biggest ones there are George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. And of course, there's no way in hell we're going to get rid of those statues, right? What, we're going to take down the Washington Monument? I don't think so, you know? So the idea is it's a slippery slope that we're setting up if we are starting to tumble down the minute that we start taking down the statues of people who supported and promoted slavery. And and so part of it, part of that slippery slope that you're describing is that it, to, to, to the extent that, that someone like Washington encapsulates our founding myth, we can't let it touch that myth. It's too sacred. And we're protecting them by protecting the statues around them. But the things that Washington represents, the thing that the things that I learned as a school child in the Florida public schools about George Washington were things about his honor and his honesty and how, thank goodness, he wasn't a tyrant because America would look a lot different there as a result. And that is a very, very powerful thing. Yes. <laughs> well, and the implication there is also that America is a wonderful and beautiful place. I very much come from the perspective that enslaving other human beings is one of the most dehumanizing things imaginable for the person who's doing it, too. You, you summed that up really well in terms of, you know, the role that Tom, uh, George Washington, much more so than Thomas Jefferson, right, serves as being like the father of the country. It's impossible to imagine questioning anything about him, right? Anything about his character, as you said, right? He's this honest person, all of these things. We should look up to him. And, you know, a lot of that is just good old-fashioned, like, nationalism and the need for a coming-out-of-nowhere nation-state like the United States to create these religious symbols of its and these religious narratives about where it comes from, right? And how important it is and how powerful it is. And yeah, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, they are just so central to that. And so I think that when people are saying that, honestly, like when I, the tone of voice in which I, I hear the slippery slope argument um, from scholars and from museum practitioners and from, you know, public parks <laughs> officials, uh, and also frankly from, Donald Trump is less one of like panic and concern about attacking that legacy and much more one of, well, that's just silly. Obviously we wouldn't do that. And the way that he phrased that tweet really kind of like set it up very nicely for us. <laughs> you know, who's next? Washington? Washington's next. Um, and uh, yeah, we added the exclamation point onto the title also because, because our, our fearless leader really loves exclamation points. So um, we thought it would be an appropriate thing to add. <laughs> the centerpiece of Washington's Next was a participatory commemorative experience focused around that statue of George Washington in Union Square. Montero and the Washington's Next team placed 271 empty chalkboards on the ground in front of the statue to represent each of the 271 people. The empty chalkboards evoked erasure, how these people are forgotten in favor of the man we're supposed to admire. For a few hours, these chalkboards stood empty, reflecting the absence of these people from public memory, in contrast to the man depicted in the statue. 
Then the Washington's next team invited passerbys to honor individuals Washington enslaved by reading their biography and writing their name on one of the chalkboards. So the project actually went through several iterations. You know, the, the, the core of it, focusing on that statue, on the date, and on the people who were enslaved by him at that date. That core of the project was there for many, many months. But the what it, how it manifested in physical space was something that went through a number of changes. And one of the reasons was making sure that we were presenting something that would draw people in. And it turns out, yeah, I mean, those. The, the, I remember the first time that we did a test with the... Uh, with the actual chalkboards we ended up using on the easels, it was crazy. I mean, because, you know, New Yorkers, New Yorkers have seen everything, right? But you would be surprised, like all kinds of other things that we'd put on the ground or other things that we'd done, you know, with different kinds of like, you know, um, you know, formations and costumey things that we were playing with, you know, uh, nobody cares. But the minute we, they saw these like easels on the ground that were blank at that stage, everyone's like, what's that? <laughs> and so that was when we knew, right? That is the thing we need. Because it, you know, it doesn't make sense. I don't know what that is, you know? It's not a protest sign. It's not just some random shit on the ground, you know? Montero's philosophy is that it's important to create something that members of the public would want to engage with, and then something that sticks with them as they go about their daily lives. Everyone who was working the event in Union Square on that day was wearing a black T-shirt that had Washington's next on it. So we'd be pretty identifiable and also holding on to these little handouts that we had. So then if people came up to us and were like, hey, what's going on? We could give them the handout, right? Usually the questions were much more specific, right? Like, oh, I don't get it. What's the statue? Okay, well, and then the thing about the handout was that it was designed very carefully to answer all of those questions live and in front of that statue. You know, here's the picture of the statue from another angle so you can see more clearly. So this is a statue of George Washington. It was built in, right? You know, George Washington had slaves. Yeah, so here's a description of, like, his slave ownership and blah, 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 and, you know, in general. And here's Mount Vernon and the, a map of the different areas that he had, you know, the different plantations that he had around Mount Vernon that aren't part of the tour anymore, <laughs> of course. You know, and things like that. So, like, basically, and even we had, we had the image of that particular tweet as well was part of that pamphlet. But again, you know, we were we were never asking people to take it. They were asking us for it. And then on top of that, then we rely on word of mouth, right? So somebody does come up to us, gets a pamphlet, talks to us about the things they have questions about. They're still looking at it. Another person comes up and sees they have a pamphlet and goes, what's this about? Um, because, you know, that I think has a lot more power than us being like, hey, we're smarter than you and we know a lot of stuff. Pay attention to us, you know? Washington's next ties into Montero's academic work about public memory and stories around how we commemorate people in public space. When I teach a public introduction to public history class to undergraduates, one of our one of the main projects I do is involve studying a monument or memorial in Newark, so near our campus, and finding out, you know, who made it, spending time by it and watching how people interact with it or don't, right? Um Inevitably, of course, usually nobody interacts with it, right? And if they look over it all, it's because they're like, why is this student hanging out there in this like kind of dreary weather, <laughs> you know? Um, and, uh, you know, and the number of times that, that they themselves are like, yeah, I used to walk by it all the time. I never even looked, right? And then that weird thing about monuments and what I think makes them so powerful is, and, you know, any statues in, of people in public space is that we don't think about them having power or mattering. And yet they 
do in some ways because we don't think about them, you know, um, until there's a threat to them, until somebody says, oh, yeah, no, I think I'm going to take that down, you know, like my seriously, like all of my students and, and, and Rutgers Newark is the most diverse university in the country and has been since these things have been measured. You can probably imagine that most of the statues in Newark are not to people of color, <laughs> to put it mildly, right? And it's amazing how over the course of that project, how many of them just developed this like ferocious, because I've taken that project in different ways, right? And one of them at one point had to do with like, do you think your statue should go, especially after Charlottesville, do you think the statue should be torn down? Or should we, you know, keep it? And if we want to keep it, how would we enhance it to make it more relevant, right? And I was, it's always interesting to see how many of them just get so devoted to the idea of keeping the statue to the person that's already there, right? Even if they've never heard of that person, there's something that there's just so much power in having something set in stone. Washington's Next is a project of museums on site, which is dedicated to helping people understand their worlds through free, site, and community-specific experiences. You can find more information about Washington's Next, see a panel discussion about the project called Monumental Racists, or get involved in other ways by visiting washingtonsnext.com. This has been Museum Archipelago. You can find a full transcript of this episode and links to other episodes, like a discussion of the controversy around removing statues of Lenin in Bulgaria at museumarchipelago.com. Museum Archipelago is supported by listeners like you who have joined Club Archipelago on Patreon. If you can't get enough about how museums shape our lives, join now for $2 a month. If this is your first episode, subscribe to the show for free using your favorite podcast player. And if it isn't, leave us a rating or review. And next time, bring a friend. My favorite joke around that to this day um, remains, you know, Washington and Lee University in Virginia. Yeah, so there's a, there's Washington Lee, Lee University. I need to check up on the latest status of this because this was like a decade ago that I originally heard about this. They were talking about, you know, getting rid of the Lee part because obvious reasons. But then it gets pointed out, well, what about the Washington part? Why on earth are you like making a huge deal to change and rebrand your whole university just to keep Washington and get rid of Lee? Really? Um, and this was from people who actually got it, I think, you know, as opposed to the ones who were like, that's stupid. They were like, haha, that's awesome. And they and so their proposal was that they should change the name of the university to Ampersand University. <laughs> which I just oh, that's adore. Fantastic. Right?